Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Related to Geeks Book Club. This is our very first episode. We're really excited. We're covering The Tower of the Elephant by Robert E. Howard, and we have absolutely no organizational plan, have no no plan at all on how we're going to tackle this. I'm just going to open it up for conversation. Uh, and I did mention in the pre-show, this is a Conan story, and upon reading it, I realized just how much I know about Conan, which is... Nothing at all. So <laughs> it was a good it was a good read for me on that front. Learned a little bit and have a lot more to learn. So uh, what about y'all? What's we got a uh, dad in here, uh, Mr. Harry Larry, and then Datum hanging out with us tonight. Um, have either of y'all done much exploration in Conan outside of this short story? I watched the movies. <laughs> I watched the movies. <laughs> Yeah, and I think actually we had a little bit of conversation about um, Conan the Barbarian as a like an archetype, and and where does he really fall? Like, uh-huh. um, at least like I'm I'm kind of a newer school uh, person, but I I like hanging out with my OSR friends, and I'm actually uh, getting a little bit more involved in an OSR game with um, with Alan from uh, the. Uh, the the ember book and he's he's just put out um uh, a lot of new materials so i'm kind of diving into that but yeah the um just kind of like how the archetype of of the barbarian has changed in in the game as it's gone like right now on fifth edition it, it really goes kind of like the primal to attempt um kind of take on barbarians where um really conan is more like is more like that straight melee brawny you know uh what Mm -hmm. i want to say um almost like chosen hero like protect for all of the craziness that he's gone out and done and um i don't know that's kind of like my perspective on conan is like i mean really he's you know it's the speed and and i mean he has some of the uh the actual like stealth and you know yeah that you don't really think of like with a barbarian he's got a he's got a uh, kind of a mix of things but, i will uh, say uh, yeah i'm right there with you i will say that when i was reading this there was also a level of intelligence that i wasn't expecting either um so i think all around it was a much more fleshed out character than i traditionally think of conan played by arnold schwarzenegger uh <laughs> standards so <laughs> Well, in the first movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger played a kind of uh, what you think of a barbarian, doesn't think to the future and all that, you know, and mm-hmm. um, uh, just courage and fighting skills and all that. In the second movie, which was not near as good as the first movie, um, he plays a, more of a smart warrior, and he thinks mm-hmm. a lot and plans and all that. Um uh, and the second movie has a plot, and the first movie really doesn't. And I, I think the plot kind of made the movie worse. The only thing I remember from the second movie is the line "Wizard at Open." Um, that that Wizard at Open. That is the thing <laughs> that's that I've held on to over all these years. Um, but yeah. I remember the first movie just kind of instilling a a kind of 
I wouldn't really say like emotional response because I didn't have strong emotions, but there was like almost a visceral response to that movie because of the just the way it portrayed Conan to where there wasn't you didn't really have an emotional connection to him, but you definitely reacted to him. It was all setting. Yeah. You know, it was setting and setting and setting. And so you got the world, you know, you got Mm -hmm. Conan and you got the world. And that well, was wonderful, you know. And that was a big thing I was going to talk about with the Tower of the Elephant. The Tower of the Elephant, I won't really call it a world builder, but man, it is a world teaser. Like, I was reading this and I was just like, I just want to know more about this world. Like, it just has so many name drops and so many lore drops and you're just like, oh, man, let's dig deeper. What else is there to uncover? And there's a lot, and we haven't read it yet. <laughs> yeah. I went and read the Yagosha uh, Wikipedia entry page, or the conan.fandom.com slash wiki. Uh-huh. That's what I read. I read the, the Yagosha wiki on conan.fandom.com, because I was just like, I want to read more about that particular weird alien thing that exists in this story. <laughs> well, I... Uh... I did the other thing. I went to Wikipedia and read up on Ganesha, who mm-hmm. is a Hindu god that, whatever that guy's name is, um, is modeled after. Mm-hmm. The elephant head god. Yeah. So there's actually a god with an elephant head. Yeah. One of the Turns most out. popular in the Hindu yeah, um, I don't know. I've been I've been talking with a few uh, writers and pro- content producers recently, and we've been, we've really been talking about like um, what seems to be kind of like the compression in um, in a lot of things that are out there right now. You know, everybody's trying to get their soundbite. Everybody's trying to get their fifteen milliseconds of fame at this. And um, you know, I'm I'm just looking at this. I pulled up the Project Gutenberg page, and I'm starting to you know like read the very beginnings of this. And it's like the the level the the detail, but the the details that are that are targeted to actually include in the narrative and how they are included just seems very different than a lot of contemporary writing. And I've been talking about this kind of with a few other. Um, content producers and stuff and it's like it seems like so much has been compressed there there are things that are getting hand waved even in osr gameplay and that kind of stuff nowadays that back in the day i mean that was that was mostly and part of the experience was going through the the ordeal of actually getting to where you were going to get and being able to see the contrast between you know like the the core kind of heroic gameplay and the actual uh uh what i want to say like the uh the uh, getting there, like the the, the mm-hmm. journey between places. Yeah, Carl calls it the exploration. He likes to have a little exploration before you start to fight, you know. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. It, 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 I started seeing a lot of the compression when I started getting into Second Life about what was that about eight nine years it seems like you know people people can live multiple and and many lives when it comes to being like in an online space and everything you know everything except for the very very high notes get compressed out and sometimes that's not a great thing well the conan story started right with the fight so but he was pretty much about avoiding fights you know 
Mm-hmm. You know, it started with a fight. Um, of course, um, it's a common thing in fantasy literature to start with an adventure sequence, an action sequence, to introduce your hero. Um, uh, but then there was quite a bit of exploration in the um, tower before they uh, really came into their first encounter. And, of course, he met that guy, and they had the lion encounter. But uh, the first really major encounter was the uh, spider. And that, mm-hmm. that you read a lot before you got to the spider. And uh, the soldier that got killed, well, Conan wasn't even there. He just heard him, you know. And uh, and that other thief who was a... Uh, that was a kind of a weird side character where it looked like Conan was being set up to be his sidekick, you know. But then... He ended up dead. So this yep. this podcast is going to be full of spoilers. <laughs> it's, it's only three chapters. If you haven't read it, go read it first. <laughs> Maybe when editing, put that at the beginning. <laughs> uh, I uh, so I read the first two chapters Friday night, and I read the final chapter just a little bit earlier today. Um, and so I, in, in my brilliance of not having a memory that lasts longer than 12 hours, uh, don't, I don't remember exactly the, the order of events, but I remember, so I have a problem. I love playing d and I've never been a huge fan of reading d and So like, that's just like random encounter generators have never been like something fun for me to read. Um, but this one, I think particularly because the prose is so good, I enjoyed. Plus it's short. Like if it just continued and it was just like, and then he went off to this random encounter and then he went off to this random encounter. And then, you know, there was a, you know, a giant snake and then a whole bunch of uh, like, you know, skeletons. And like, it's just one of those encounter after encounter. But I also like that I felt, there was a variety to how each encounter was handled in this, which sometimes doesn't always feel like that's explored as much as just what the encounter is. Um, I liked that there was an encounter that was basically just a conversation. I liked that there was the, the kind of puzzle solving encounter with the, 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 the lions and, you know, where the other guy already had the plan and was, was figuring it out. It doesn't, that's the thing that it really doesn't make it feel like what we would traditionally think of a barbarian of just going in and smashing in heads. Every encounter was handled slightly differently. Um, And I I enjoyed that more than I would normally enjoy these types of stories. And in the final encounter, Conan was really a messenger boy. Yeah. You know, he didn't really have to fight. He just had to not die. Yeah, the final the final encounter basically involved him going waking up in a guy and handing him a gym and then he was done and then running out. <laughs> yeah. Well, he he got to see it. Um, yeah. And um bear witness. You had your um you know, um Alice in Wonderland is pre Conan. Um mm-hmm. and Robert Howard probably read it. And um uh of course uh, some pills uh, make you smaller 
And so he kind of copped that. You know, all of a sudden the guy got smaller and smaller. Um, Jack Vance is post-Conan. And I know Jack Vance read Robert Howard. Um, and Jack Vance has that you capture your enemy in a crystal or, you know what I'm saying, you, you're able to get get someone's soul and encapsulate it in a thing that you can put in your pocket. Um, mm-hmm. So um, it's interesting, you know, to here we've looked at, you know, uh, 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 Lewis Carroll, uh, uh, Robert Howard, Jack Vance, and that's that's 100 years, mm-hmm. you know, and you see these ideas morphing. And, of course, Jack Vance and Robert Howard were very um, instrumental in the beginnings of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Lewis Carroll, less so, but I still, you know, I'm sure everyone who's played Dungeons and Dragons has been influenced by Alice. Yeah. Well, if you played the Tomb of Annihilation, I mean, it's pretty surreal compared to a lot of things, a lot of a lot of even modules uh, like keep on the borderlands that kind of thing that's that's much less uh like that that's much more ordered you know yeah. something like something like tomb annihilation you go around a, a corner and uh you know it's like you're in a, a different place and uh i think it's good to have a blend of those things but yeah I, I mean i can see more of kind of like the more surreal you know uh what I want to think about it, Ar- archetypical fantasy kind of things coming out similar to like Carol stuff um, in certain, certain. Is that Annihilation? Is that a module or is that a game it's system? A, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a module for, um, I believe that it was uh, first AD&D and then um, it's been, uh, or not Tomb Annihilation, I'm sorry, Tomb of Horror. I always get them mixed up because they just had mm-hmm. Tomb Annihilation is actually a new uh, product, mm-hmm. but yeah, Tomb of Horrors um, with the uh, <laughs> with the devil head that uh, you know you, you look into its you, you look into its uh, its mouth and there's an orb of annihilation and you because that same uh, there's that same thing in science fiction, whereas um, um, there's the hard science science fiction that has a very much a standard narrative form. Um, and then there's like the Roger Zelazny Amber series where you walk in shadow and any anything can happen. Any weird stuff can pop up, you know. So uh it's a it's a it's a puzzle I've dealt with a lot dealing with fantasy worlds and describing fantasy worlds and especially fiction is that when you get to where you're so far out there, so far removed from, you know, uh, not normal reality, but a fantasy um, uh, understanding um, uh, that anything can happen. It gets really hard to write and really hard to read because it just, um, there's still, there's not hardly any um, relationship to a world anymore. It's just out there. I read one of those recently. Oh yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Brandon Sanderson um, in the uh, uh, Oathbringer. They, uh, I'm not sure if it's that or a sequel, but they, it's it's right in the first Oathbringer, I think. But uh, um, they have that parallel world, the uh, uh, all the beads, you know, 
and it's you go into a parallel world and and when you get into that parallel world it's i mean he does his best to build a different reality that makes sense but it's really different so that's uh and i think in gaming that's especially hard to leave your fantasy tropes behind and get way out there where you turn a corner and you can be in another world well i mean i, I think it's just like two different ways to, to approach the storytelling i mean you can have something that's very loosely knit and um and gonzo and different or you know like things things function you know physics is different in this room versus another room and that kind of thing and i just think that's really i mean it's like it's 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 one of those sub genre journeys like you're going away from something that people can count on being uh something that they can have a reference for and feel comfortable with and maybe sometimes that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to uh get people out outside of um whatever the idea of what they think this thing is and um you know you're getting into a little bit more i would say like you're getting into more of the fear of the unknown kind of area with that and it's just you can explore a lot of different stuff than in a world that is pretty standard and time goes on and people and things are pretty consistent yeah i read a, a jack vance short story not one of his better known ones but it's in a collection I have. And um, uh, there's a period of time, it's on Earth, and there's a period of time where um, Earth loses causality and there's no longer cause and effect. And uh, so um, the uh, people in that world, uh, without cause and effect, they, you know, if you're a cause and effect mind, um, it doesn't work. You try to go somewhere and you end up somewhere else and stuff like that. And uh, uh, it was really, I'm sure it was hard to write. It was hard to read. It was, uh, I mean, that's pretty fundamental cause and effect when it comes to narratives. Um, and it's hard to write a narrative without cause and effect. Um, that's even beyond like a different physics, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, in Tower of Elephant, we really have none of that. There is the uh, getting smaller and being captured and fighting Ganesha or whatever his name was. Um, <laughs> that can be, um, you know, um, Conan experienced the blood. You know what I'm saying? He grabbed the guy's heart, scores it over the jewel. Mm -hmm. um, so you can think of that as... Uh, Conan, you know, taking a little trip there, <laughs> you know, um, while um, this action occurred. So it's hard to know. Um, of course, there is no reality to it. It's a story, but it's hard to tell whether the guy really got smaller or whether Conan perceived that, you know, and, and I don't know if it makes any difference. So the way that the wiki page explains it. Um, is that the gym is actually a, uh, what's the exact word that it uses? It's just a small universe. Um, so, oh. yeah, Kosha actually goes and, and inhabits the gym and then pulls in Yara to punish him for 
everything that he's done to him. I see. A mini universe. So it's very, it's very, you know, we talked about like the science fa- fi- fiction elements. It's very, the, I mean, Yakoshi is a straight up alien. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, last of its kind came over, was used by Yara, and then through Conan's mercy killing, for lack of a better, better term, um, was able to enact its revenge. But in a weird way, it kind of lived on inside that gym, inside a small universe, is the way that the wiki page explains it. And um, that's not um, exactly all in the narrative. Yeah. But it does fit the narrative. It is a science fiction way of explaining the fantasy thing. And, um, you know, that's uh, probably fits the narrative a little better than Conan tripping on the blood. Yeah, I kind of like the Conan tripping on the blood. Uh, And then, you know, he uh, runs out and all the soldiers are already dead. That's boy, that's pretty weird. All those soldiers being dead. Of course, they were working for a bad guy. You assume they were bad. Who knows? You know, maybe they had wives at home and uh, um, and then the building falls in. So that's great. That's like um, in Buffy where they blow up the high school, you know. I mean, I think the building falling in was great at the end. That's and it, yeah, and it it's it's really it seemed like that. a conclusion to the story. If you're going to have the Tower of the Elephant be the story, yeah. then the the end of that uh, place is a good place to end the the story. So yeah. for me, a short story should do one of two things. Um, it should. One, be a concise narrative with a very specific message that it's trying to get across. Or it should be a gateway into a larger world. Um, And just be like something that you read and then want to discover more about other things in that universe. And I think uh, this story definitely ticks that second box because it makes me want to read more Conan stories for sure but as far as like a through line narrative it's just it's just a quest story it's just an adventure yeah but there's development it's, yeah and there's but a it's a lot of beginning middle and it's end. A, there's a beginning middle and end for sure but it's what it what it lacks in my mind is something that I crave in more in more modern uh, things is either like true character development or a theme or you know I feel like it doesn't have that as much as it has here's your here's your adventure story yeah I think you're right far fast hello feel free to uh, uh, unmute your mic Hi. Hello. I didn't know I was allowed to talk in this channel. Yeah, yeah. this channel is always open. This is an open game chat Monday nights. And uh, tonight we are having the Related to Geeks book club and discussing uh, an early Conan story called uh, The Tower of the Elephant. Oh, cool. Yeah, so 
I don't know if you've read it or not, but it doesn't stop you from talking about barbarians, <laughs> whether you have or not. <laughs> I actually have not read any Conan. Um, so I hadn't read any Conan either, and I quickly realized that Conan's a very different character than I imagine Conan to be based on this one little short story. So I would suggest reading some Conan at some point. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing against it. You yeah. know, it's just one of the things that, like, I stopped reading fiction, like, year, like decades ago, like, before college. I just stopped reading fiction, and I never really, like, picked it back up, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. But, yeah, I was... no, definitely if I, you know, I'd check it, I'd check it out, you know, if I had it. The uh, Tower of the Ele Elephant is on uh, Gutenberg, Australia, so it's free. It's a public domain book. And it's oh. actually a short story, a three-chapter short story. So it's a, a real quick read, too. And um, Yeah, it doesn't take long at all. I'm dropping it in the chat. I was a lot more impressed um, with Howard's writing than I thought I would be. I'm yeah, the prose is really, that. really good. Like setting the scene, having some really just gorgeous dialogue and, and, and poetry to the, to the story was, was something I was surprised by. The descriptive okay. text, everything about it was, was really, really well done. And it was, for being like early 1900s, it really, they, uh, Howard really had the whole Dungeons and Dragons quest thing knocked out. I mean, it's a whole quest mm -hmm. as it might have been played. I mean, um, there's there's a whole uh, literature, Drist, you know, um, uh, different uh, Forgotten Realms. Um, yeah. There's a whole literature of novel after novel after novel based on Dungeons & Dragons gameplay. Um, uh, but this is pre-Dungeons & Dragons by 50 years or more. And yet it's just got it perfect. Yeah, no, that's what I hear. I mean, there's a reason he's so famous, right? I mean, up till today, he still has fans, you know? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So Megan and I both read a lot of uh, fantasy fiction and science fiction. Um, so we're big fiction readers. Um, I don't... I, I read uh, nonfiction, but mostly internet research rather than nonfiction books. Um, but uh, Megan, you read more nonfiction too, don't you? Yeah, I read just a little bit of everything. I definitely have a focus on fantasy and science fiction. But I... I read uh, anything from just science books to memoirs to health books, education books, uh, self-help books. I don't know. I'll just read whatever tickles my fancy at that point. Um, comedy books. So I had uh, an issue after college myself where I didn't read for the longest time. And then finally it was this like a light switch of Going just the amount of entertainment that I was missing out on and not having to worry as much. Like back when you're at school, you study it, right? You know, whenever you have a signed reading, it's, it's Discord. not as enjoyable as just getting to read it for yourself and take what you want from it. Menu, you don't have to like overanalyze it or pick it apart or write an essay about it or anything like that. You Menu. can just read it and, enjoy it for whatever you get yeah. out of it um and so it took me a long time to get out of that mindset of 
if I have to read something, I have to absorb it completely. And now I, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, what I call like casual reading or, or similar to the way that you, some people watch TV to where it's kind of background noise. I'll read books sometimes and I'll just kind of absorb what I'm interested in and just read through the parts that don't interest me as fast as possible and not worry about it too much. And if I get to the end of the book and I don't remember everything, it's fine because... Like I said, I don't have a good memory anyway, so all of those books that I explored heavily in college and wrote essays about, I don't remember anything about anyway, so it clearly doesn't make any difference for me, but I, I definitely had that period of, I just didn't read at all. I read the uh, uh, first two chapters of uh, Tower of the Elephant, and then it got uh, shuttled aside for whatever reason. And then today I reread the whole thing, and um, that that really helped me a lot. The fact that I had that browse without caring about it before I read it mm-hmm. for the book club. Well, there's something about the it's kind there. of almost a way to try a book before no. you fully invest in a book. If you read it Down. and you're like, I like this there. book, and I feel like there's more that I can get out of it on a on a reread because I'm I have no problems rereading books. And um, but plus and I don't want to invest all that time in the front end to try to understand every last facet of the book and not really enjoy the book because that's not fun. Scroll down. So I tend to do a very See casual read through the first time through, yeah. and then you got it. I'll go back and reread, and that's when if I'm if I'm invested enough, I might even do things like annotate it and destroy the book because I have no problem doing down. that. All of my books are trash. Um. Speaker <laughs> up there to turn your volume down. I've uh, got Vivian with her headset on now. I think she's going to be able to listen and type the way she does sometimes. She finished reading the. Tower of the Elephant, just now. Yeah, shoot, I'm about, I'm mostly about halfway through, and I will say that um, this, uh, the competition between Conan and Taurus in the, in this, mm-hmm. is what is keeping me interested in continuing through the story. Um, it's a really, it is kind of an interesting aspect um in in a, a lot of literature that's kind of like this there there is like it's either competition between groups of people or you know like straight up two people trying to get to the same thing or something like that there there's there's a lot of that and that's something like in in an rpg you know there can be some of that in in a group dynamic but usually mm-hmm. as a group you're trying to work together if you if you have a, a group that's got any level of coding and you don't see that direct competition like in the same direction you may have like maybe there's there's a group or uh, you know like there there's adversarial competition like these guys are, are are helping each other now what i'm interested to see and i mean you can spoil it if you want i'm i'm just gonna go through it but it's like mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested to see how it ends up. Do the, you know once they get to where the gem is, do they turn on each other, or what happens? Like that that's the that's the narrative thread that seems to be the most compelling outside of the description. Well, you may be disappointed. <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> but I do agree. Uh, so this is. 
in a lot of ways, it's three chapters, but it almost kind of feels like three detached acts. And so there's like certain scenarios or certain characters that are prominent in some acts that aren't really in the rest of the story. Um, and the first act is really just, here's the mission, like, you know, here's your guy, here's what he's doing. And then the, the actual establishing of Conan and his barbarian nature. Um, okay, I just got to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, that was like, was like to, you know, it was like two paragraphs later. It's like, and he's and done. he's done. <laughs> but, but see, that to me is very like, well, that's very, you know, uh-huh. like, that that happens. Yeah, I mean, it feels it feels like a role playing game. Like it feels like you're seeing a role playing game unfold with kind of the random nature of the events. Um, and how you're not really sure. I said, um, I think I said before we actually started the podcast proper that, uh, when you get to the, the final encounter, I feel like the way that Conan approaches that final encounter is very much how I would have played it if I was playing the game myself. Um, which is, which is a weird thing to, to, to think about. It's just like, oh, that's how I would have played that scenario. But that's kind of what happened when we got to the, 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 the final chapter and I read through that and I was just like, oh, that, that's totally what I would have done. So cool. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a different way of putting yourself in the protagonist's shoes when it's something that's so similar to a and d esque experience. Um, and you're just like, here, here's your, here's your encounter scenario. What would you do in this scenario? Kind of, kind of feeling. And I got that a lot while reading through this. Yeah, you. Um, chapter one, you're in a tavern. The way all D and D quests start, you're in a tavern, and then there's a fight. Chapter two mm-hmm. is the adventure. You meet someone. He ends up dead. You have an adventure. Yeah. You have to fight you go, a, Yeah, a you go through your trials, yeah. Spider, yeah. Chapter 3, all metaphysical. Yeah. You don't It's don't the, really it's know the what's final, going on. yeah, and it's the final encounter. It's really like it's it's crafted really well. It's just crafted a little different than I personally like my stories. I have a big investment on character development, and I wouldn't say there's really any character development in this. <laughs> Conan's pretty consistently Conan all the way through it. <laughs> and that's the only character around long enough to have any development. <laughs> I'm uh sometimes a little I'm a little bit torn on character development because it's like if you have a character, you know, if you have a if you have an archetype, there can be some evolution of it, but really you can't go much outside of it without without it becoming mm-hmm. It really, it really depends on what type of story you're trying to tell, and I just tend to favor the stories that have developing characters more than I like the ones that are just based on archetypes. But I understand the reason archetypes exist and why you don't want to deviate from that too much as a storyteller, depending on what you're trying to get across. Well, I think it's just the complexity of what you're trying to tell. I, mean, uh-huh. I think of like, I don't know, I think of like something like, I don't know. This is this is one of my touchstones. So it's it's some of the only um, 
what is it, uh, fantasy that I really have actually read was the the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. And those those characters, but but you're following them for a very long time. You know, it's yeah. like and you're following them through their um their older adolescent and you know like young adult phase. And so there's a lot of change going on, not just mentally, mm-hmm. but also physically and and uh, what do you call it? Uh, circumstance and all that kind of stuff. So that's to me, that's a story where it's like there's a lot of characters, a lot of people are going through a lot of different changes. And so but that is a that is like a com- that is the coming of age story. So that's a that's a, that's a different story than kind of like an archetypical myth or a or a, you know, a parable or something like that yeah well and i think for me a lot of times just the length of the story is what matters if i if i am with characters long enough and i feel like nothing really changes about them i don't find that to be very realistic in a short form like this i mean this is one mission and as as mom posted in the thing conan is consistently conan throughout all the books i'm sure that's right but i feel like in these short bursts these are more what I would call lore stories for me. Like I, I enjoy the world building aspects that go into it and the mythology of the Conan stories more so than the characters, but the characters surprise me in a way that even though Conan is an archetype, he's not necessarily the archetype that we associate him to be today. Um, Cause we talked about that idea of, what we automatically think of when we think barbarian and then in reading this story, it's quite different. Well, we were, who was I talking to? Larry was, were we talking about this? I'm not hundred yeah. percent sure. I've, it was I've been Todd on yeah. the breakfast club. Y- yeah. There yeah, it is. Todd, that's, that's Todd said that the, uh, Conan is more of a thief barbarian, you know, or something like that. It mm-hmm. makes class uh, in D and D terms today. And, uh, Conan was a very good fighter and everything, but he didn't really, have that berserker element that is now associated with barbarians where when they get into a battle rage they have more strength or something um and uh and i don't really know that that's part of the conan myth he's just a really good fighter rather than a berserker like fafford for instance definitely has berserker elements (laughs) yeah uh so and that like and again this is my only experience with the the literary conan um but in this i found him to be somewhat i feel like there's scenarios because you have the uh the idea where of like at the end of the first chapter where he just kind of instinctually kills this man um it just kind of happens you know <laughs> as someone might instinctually step out of the way if somebody's passing by he just instinctually kills this man so i think you have that barbarian nature to him but he's also more stoic than i would necessarily like not really like berserk berserking and killing people but just very casually going about his day and occasionally his sword just kills someone it just happens <laughs> well, you worships. know, sometimes you sometimes you sneeze and someone dies. <laughs> he, he worships Crom, and Crom gives him strength to slay his enemies, and he doesn't really know what else a god would be good for anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Uh, 
a little paragraphs like that. There's there's that little detail where the um, the elephant head guy says, mm-hmm. "Oh, and I built this tower in one day," you know, and that's kind of a little foreshadowing. It's going to fall down too. <laughs> you kill this guy, he built a tower in one day, and he kill him, and it's going to fall in. You better get out of there. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of wondering if uh, Conan was ever going to quit gawking and get get out. <laughs> Hey, listen. He's just—he's just absorbing his surroundings. I think he was mm. tripping on that blood. In the <laughs> <laughs> there could be a layer it of that as well. Could be. Could be that the Tower of the Elephant's still standing, and Conan just after he left, he looked back and yeah. saw it fall down. <laughs> there is definitely enough ambiguity there that you could have that reading. I, I will give yeah. you that. Yeah. In American Gods, Ganesha comes in, and uh, uh, American Gods has got a whole lot of unreliable Mm -hmm. narration in it. (laughs) (laughs) Conan, not so much. The the narrator is uh, the omniscient voice, you know what I'm saying? So you're not really ever so much getting Conan's point of view. Sometimes he says, well, Conan saw this or whatever, but yeah... I just take it as a straight-on-its-face story, good fantasy story, good yeah. swashbuckler kind of, you know, and gets mystical and weird mm-hmm. at the end, and I like it when when the ending is satisfying and it gets mystical and weird and then it's satisfying. It's hard to write a good ending. Well, no, it's not. I mean, it's it's kind of... It's kind of like this isn't really the end. Like this is like an episode, in yeah, a, in a in a in a in a series, and so I mean, you know, kind of ending in kind of a surreal way is probably a way to um keep it to where you can kind of bring things back down to earth when you when you when you keep writing about them. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a story in itself. Of course, and it has a satisfying ending, but at the same time, we now know there are many more uh, mm-hmm. Conan stories. I don't. Uh, everyone says this is an early Conan story, but I don't really got the chronology. So, Megan, I'm waiting for you and your project to sort that out for me. <laughs> um, my gut was it was the fourth one, but I may be way off on that. <laughs> okay. That was the first number that came to my mind. Uh, says so it's one of the original short stories. Oh, I may have to actually open up my uh, cheat sheet that I've been working on. I think it is the fourth one. And this is a really weird way stories? they've organized it on this page. Were the other short stories too before it? I think so. You got Legions of the Dead, and then the thing in the crypt. This is something different. I'm not really sure I'm getting this right. Okay, I'm back to Conan.Fandom.com, guys. (laughs) So the Tower of the Elephant stories published in Weird Tales. Yeah. Um, it's the third one on that list. Um, 
I'm not sure if it's ne- technically Vivian, the third story overall. Vivian has a wikipedia.org order, Legions of the Dead, The Thing in the Crypt, Conan the Defiant, and then The Tower of the Elephant. Yeah. And, I uh, was thinking the fourth one. I'm not really sure... Like if I just remember that subconsciously in my research before, or but that's that's all later to the, that's and in the, think, like the 1930s, I think, and I haven't gotten that far in my project yet. I think Conan the Defiant is uh, a novel, and the others are short stories, but I'm not sure of any of that. So more research is needed. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten into the 1930s yet. You gotta give me some time. Yeah, I'll get there. Well, the 1930 stuff isn't public domain. Except unless he didn't renew his copyright. Yeah. It happened with a whole lot of pulp stuff. See, um, the uh, Golden Age science fiction writers, when they sold a story to Weird Tales or whatever, they sold the copyright and all for like ridiculously small sums. Yeah. Penny a word and less, you know. Makes me. And they makes you angry. Right and then if the um, magazine went out of business, and they all did, with regularity, there was no one to renew the copyright, and that's that's the only reason we have so much um, golden age public domain science fiction, because uh, the authors sold their copyrights to the mm-hmm. pulps for a check, and then the pulps went out of business. And, uh, but the, uh, uh, Tower of the Elephant is actually uh, public domain by being old. It was written, uh, a long time enough ago that it's public domain. Um, and it's showing here, uh, March 1933, but it was also oh, really? published in Weird Tales, so it may have been a similar thing. Um, cause I've got the Weird Tales here, and so I may be completely wrong on that. Which is not all that surprising. Ding, 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 ding. Yep. First published in Weird Tales, March 1933, according to this uh, Project Gutenberg we've been reading from. Yeah. Yep. March 1933. So it it must have been that Weird Tales didn't renew the copyright. Because to my understanding, it's public domain. And of course, mm-hmm. um, that's where due diligence comes in. But usually um, there's a thing. Uh, on the U.S. one, there's an explanation of why they think it's public domain. Okay. Public domain in Australia. So it might not even be public domain in the United States. Just don't tell anybody I have a copy. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. a, I, I don't know. I can just open up a whole discussion about, you know, our friend copyright. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, we're reading Cory Doctorow next, so yeah. he, he's got a lot to say about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's, I don't know, it's just, it's so, it's so weird. Especially now, like, where there's more media that's, that's, produced in a day than you could experience in your entire lifetime yeah you know it's like when when the when the flow of information is so is so like uh what i want to say uh unbridled and democratized i mean 
you can still have these copyright things, but it's just like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a, I'm a small business person, and I I ha- I've had a failed business where I had I I got to I got to experience the legal side of you know those kind of things even at the the lowest of the low levels with a with a business that barely got off the ground but i mean if you don't know how to do your own stuff and you don't know how to represent yourself and if you do anything with a corporation or llc you can't even represent yourself and if you don't have enough money it doesn't really matter you're it's basically like you know okay well you want this corporation to show up to show up well they don't have any money so they're not gonna show up so you can get a judgment for a million billion kajillion dollars and you don't get anything Mm -hmm. so it's it's just like in 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 that vein like who's it hurting i mean i or who's it helping i I don't think it's helping the artists i really from the publishers at this point um the deal with uh a copyright in the united states anyway is that it is a um civil offense not a criminal offense it has to be go into fraud or something like that before you get a yeah. criminal offense. And um, and it's a federal law. It's not a state law. It's a federal law, which means federal court. In other words, if you have a copyright complaint or someone has a copyright complaint against you, they take you to federal court, which right. is $50,000 just to show up. So if you don't have $50,000, you've lost. They're yeah. going to show up, if, and you're not. <laughs> right. But <laughs> if you don't win. have 50000 dollars, it's going to make it kind of hard for them to get anything. <laughs> it's, it's just like, um, and there's, at the same time, since it costs $50,000, nobody goes to court over anything unless it's worth a lot of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So it's a, it's a weird law, it's, uh, and it's got a weird history. You know, it's it started out as a, as a way. I mean, copyright started out as a kind of a trade sanction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. More more than just publishing. Um, right. So, and that's all gone away. But the publishing, it's still there, and it's it's an entirely made up concept. You know, I I'm more like with Samuel R. Delaney in the future where. Um, you know, everything's available to anyone, you know, and if something gets downloaded a whole bunch of times, then the author gets some money. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, just, I, I, I'm more like, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, rather than having to have a bunch of lawyers and accountants and all that involved, just have, uh, uh, uh a little, a little tiny royalty that's paid for with taxes, you know. Mm-hmm. But you got, but you got so much direct patronage that's going on nowadays. You know, yeah, and I'm all in favor of that. To, that yeah, that, that, and I that's think really it's, even better. And it's really like, um, uh, in the music, I'm I'm into music and all that. And in the music anymore, it's entirely one to one. You know, artist and fan, one to one. You develop yeah. your fan base one person at a time. You know, just. Uh, the the big labels don't do anything worth listening to and sure they have a fan base and all that you know and but you don't make any money signing with the big labels they make all the money you right. know and so uh you just it's very personal um and 
the way automation is taking over what we refer to as work, um, uh, we're going to see a world in our lifetimes, and I'm 72 years old, you know, in our lifetimes, we're <laughs> going to see a world where if it's not made by a person, it really doesn't have value. Everyone yep. will still use that stuff, but they won't cherish it, you know. The only thing they'll really care about is stuff stuff that's done by a person because there's going to be so much plastic BS that mm -hmm. everybody's going to have it flowing out of their ears. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to watch like a AAA film or something because of the uh, content that people are going to make about it. <laughs> like through YouTube or something like that. And I just want to have the full cut. Like I want... I, like I went and watched Rise of Skywalker so I could watch people, you know, Diss it. develop, yeah, develop their <laughs> like. There was a podcast I really wanted to listen to, and I wanted to have the full context listening to that podcast. So I went and gave money to Disney so I could go and listen to a podcast that I listened to for free. And I'm just like, this is a stupid system. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's great. I mean, like, I mean, well, Larry, you've been doing this since the beginning. You know, and the just it, it's like the Internet proliferation and where we are right now and where we're still going and that most of that has has been kind of like ad supported <laughs> at this point. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To, just to think that that model hasn't totally collapsed uh, still that there is something to attention and there will be forever something to human attention until, you know, uh until until the uh, the singularity and then they don't need us anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's ad supported and it's also uh large data supported. They're collecting you. Right. Yeah. Well that that's just such a weird concept to me, you know, it's like is is knowing that I that I like what I know or knowing what people are interested in really worth that much money. It it just it, it doesn't I, I don't know. I, I'm happy about it. I feel like it's it's a big subsidy at this point, where I can get a bunch of stuff for for, for practically for free, yeah. um, just just for sharing some of that information. If it if it is if it actually is, and it's not just like some some weird financial bubble or something like that, I'm all for it's it. Not. Well, it's yeah. fun. I mean, like you know, there there are so many good elements to the story. Um, just like narrative wise, I mean, it's kind of really dig into it i mean what is there to say uh, say about it other than yeah that's those words go together nicely <laughs> yeah i uh i really enjoyed the tower of the elephant more so than i thought i was going to because it it was very much the type of story i expected it to be and very much nothing like what i expected it to be while still being the type of story that i expected it to be which is a weird way to kind of phrase it but the tower of the elephant did what was expected in unexpected ways. Um, it had it had really intelligent writing. It had unique ways of handling the situations, and it had an actual like conclusive, satisfying end that had that metaphysical stuff and had that kind of weird trippy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and went a lot, a lot of directions that I didn't necessarily expect it to go while still keeping true to the idea of 
random encounter generator, which is kind of what I expected going into it, was that it was just going to be like, all right, now we're going to face lions. Now we're going to face a giant spider. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, it did have that adventure section that was like a random encounter generator. But that's what you get in a game before you get to the big bad, you know, Mm -hmm. or the main treasure. And um, it uh, uh, the prose was very much better than I expected it to be. Yeah. Um, I've read a lot of uh, uh, really early science fiction stuff where it's very stilted and very um, weird. Um, and this was not like that at all. It wasn't post-Hemingway, you know, but it was very direct, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, this, the, the short for being three chapters and laid out like it was... Uh, it was very structured, um, and yeah. uh, not just beginning, middle, and end, but it had introduction, the tavern thing, and then it had the adventure, the exploration, and and the random encounter part, and then it had um, the um, uh, philosophical alien life, um, etc. You know, um, uh, there's a lot more to the world than you're aware of, kind of uh, mm-hmm. section. And then, of course, the very satisfying destruction of the Tower of the Elephant right at the end. Yep. So, I I was impressed, too. I think it's a good read for anyone. I do think it's kind of interesting in the, the second to last paragraph that they're talking about, you know, uh, the dice and the fallen goblets of the, uh, of the, the soldiers in that he comes upon before that's like i mean it's almost like they were playing D D in the story <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah before d 50 years before D existed right. yeah and unfortunately they rolled a one yep <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's a wrap for the tower of the elephant uh we are scheduled to come back on February 17th for Little Brother by Cory Doctorow. There are links available on Gamer Plus as well as in the chat and in uh, the uh, Tinker's Tavern on Gamer Plus chat there. All a whole bunch of nonsense, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway. And thank you so much for listening. Bye. Boy. Hey, that was pretty good. I yeah. Like that. A lot of got, got way out there. You have been listening to the Related to Geeks Book Club, recorded January 20th, 2020, on the Gamer Plus Inspired Unreality Open Game Chat, held at Tinker's Tavern on Discord. For more about our geeky family, visit relatedtogeeks.com. For more information about Inspired Unreality, join Gamer Plus, a social network for gamers, at gamerplus.org. Megan and Larry are Related to Geeks. Thanks to Dadam for joining us. The music for this show is Elvin Forest by Harry Larry, recorded by NJHB at the Jonesboro Public Library on September 14th, 2019.